Shall we pray? Oh, Father God, we thank you for the name of Jesus Christ. It is such a beautiful and such a powerful name. It is almost hard for unclean lips to say the powerful name of Jesus Christ. But it is that name alone that our hope is found, God. God, we repent of the ways that we have, we have sinned against you this week. We have put our trust in anything but the name of Jesus Christ. We have put our hope in politics. We have put our hope in the coming of a vaccine more than the coming of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and a reigning King. Father God, we just love you. We need you. We need you to change us. As we stand in your presence, we ask that we would be changed. We would become more like you. God, we need who you are to change our lives. We need who you are to change our businesses, our schools, everywhere that we go, God. May we bring that change to this community, Lord. God, we're just privileged to be known as your kids. And together as your kids, we pray the words that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Mark. Second, Sunday of every month, one of the executive board members leads us in prayer, and Mark is one of our six executive board leaders, so thank you, Mark. We're going to celebrate communion in a few moments for the first time in 10 months, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I want to explain what we're going to do in just a moment, but let me start with just reviewing where we were last week and what I hope to do today, and then we're going to move to the Lord's Supper. So that's time to segue. So last week I asked the question, Who or what is the primary source or person of our spiritual formation? So that's what we talked about, wrestled with. You remember last week I had all the screens and they were all going and and we, the question that I'm wrestling with, just for myself, is you remember the big screens were television, the the smaller screens were tablets and then we had the, the phones. And my concern for us as a community is our screens have become the primary sources of our spiritual formation. So what I want to get at today is the why, because I'm going to talk about attachment today, and who or what we attach to is actually what forms and drives our lives. Let me read one. I got a couple quotes for you. Some of the thinking behind this comes out of a new um, academic world called neurotheology. It's the study of brain and faith. Listen to this. Christianity has tended to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth. But biblical evidence and modern brain science show that we are shaped more by whom or what we love than what we believe. Let me give you an example. Think about the cross of Jesus. So you can hear preacher after preacher for as long as you're alive talk about how significant and unbelievable that cross is, and it's true. But if it's just a mental thing, it does not change how we live. There's no attachment to the idea of a cross. It's just a mental construct. 
So we say the words often, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you ask almost anyone, I will ask almost anyone I know. Let me, let me ask you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ delights over you? That if Jesus walked in and saw you, he would say, wow. It's like when my little granddaughter, see grandpa, they just go, can you imagine, can you imagine Jesus feels that way about you? Now let me give you an example of attachment. I visit doctors for medical things, and I know doctors. I can give you examples of one doctor I know well. When Kirk died, the doctor who is a great doctor walked into our house, and I fell in his arms, and I wept. because I was attached to my doctor. Do you believe that Jesus wants to be that attached to you? Here's my concern. The primary force of our spiritual formation is a screen. We don't get attached to Jesus. But if the primary source of our formation is Jesus, we become attached to him. And then out of that attachment comes his life. So that's why I say we don't become, we don't, we don't love, we are loving. We don't, we don't become joyful, we are joyful because his life is being lived in us. Mike asked us to pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus, for healing, for whatever. I'm gonna show you the passage in John 15 when Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And it doesn't happen and we say, well, watch, follow me. We got brain stuff about Jesus. But what he's saying is, if you attach to me, and I attach to you, Jesus is saying his life is being lived in us and through us. And then when we pray, he is praying his will through us. And that's a whole different thing than heaven in the head. So here's where I'm going this morning. We're gonna end up with communion. And this morning, I want to change how you take communion. I want you today to say, I'm going to take a little piece of bread and a little cup because the one who is represented, who is somehow present, is nuts crazy about you today. But before we do all that, I want to just explain how we're going to do communion. I want to thank Karen, Dr. Karen Cleveland, elder, and Jenny Hesseltine, staff member, for setting this all up. So let me just read their three instructions for communion. At the end of the teaching time, we'll go to communion. Here are three instructions. Please receive communion from the elder station at the front of your section. One, two, three, four. Move to the aisle closest to the center of the room. 
and come to the station. We're asking for some social distancing as you do that. And self-serve communion cups are available kind of by the um, Pavlots over here and the Browns over here. And they look like this. And if you tear the top, there's a little gluten-free wafer. And in between the bottom, there is a juice. The elders will be masked and have gloves. And so you're invited to come to the front where they will serve you the bread and the cup. If you would prefer not to, these self-serve are in those two aisles over there, okay? So go to the elder station, your area, go to the middle and follow. Okay? All right. Can you open your Bibles? John 15. Thank you, Jim. Well done with the screen. Okay, today I'm going to, with for, forgive me, you scholars, I'm not doing good exegesis here. I'm going to do... Um, I'm trying to make a point with some synonyms. So I'm going to change two words. I'm going to read John chapter 15, 1 through 17, like you'd read with me. I'm going to change the word fruit to love, and I'm going to change the word remain to attach. So let's, let's, let's read it together. Here we go. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no love. Well, every branch that does bear love, he prunes, why? Purpose clause, so that it will be even more loving. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Attach in me is I also attach in you. No branch can bear love by itself. It must remain attached in the vine. Neither can you bear love unless you attach in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you attach in me and I in you, you will bear much love. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not attach in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you attach in me, look, here's the prayer thing that I just talked about and my words attach in you, ask what you wish, and it will be done for you. Now here's the why. Because in that level of attachment, it is Jesus praying in us and through us. I I don't know, I can be careful what I say, but I wanna give you you an example of attachment. And so I need umbrella mercy as I use this. So I'm married to Lane for what will be 42 years. We in our 42 years have experienced an incredible number of things as any married couple would. Over those 42 years, we have lived with with varying kinds of attachments. Mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. I am committed to Lane Lundy because I am attached to her. We have a history of attachment. That's what Jesus wants with us. He wants, he wants the level of attachment that a husband and a wife have. And then he says, if you attach to me like that, then you ask, because it's gonna happen. Isn't that amazing to think about? That's different than, I know the right things, gave the right formula, say it the right way, do it the right time, fast enough, be kind enough, don't, don't be sinning, and then maybe the Lord will answer my prayer. I just hope, I just hope, I hope I get lucky, maybe this week he'll do it. 
didn't happen, it doesn't work, prayer doesn't work. What did Jesus say? Remain in me. Attach in me. Let me attach in you. Let my life be in you. See, this is the whole thing about the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to get to in a few weeks. We don't be loving, we are loving. We don't become patient, we are patient because it's his life lived in us and through us. Back to the passage, verse nine. I'm sorry, verse 10. As, I'm at nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now attach in my love. If you keep my commands, you will attach in my love just as I kept my Father's commands and attach in his love. I have told you this, here's why, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now let's stop for a second. Now if it's just head, what does that mean? Okay, love each other, Jesus, as I have loved you. So if my attachment to Jesus is just head, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will have an everlasting life, and I just have it here and not here. It's a whole different deal. He asks us to be so connected with him that his life is in us, and then he says, you will love as I have loved. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now think about attachment. If I'm attached to this screen, if I'm attached to my tablets, if I'm attached to my big screens for 11 hours a day, and my attachment to Jesus is two-ish hours in a week, a day, two hours maybe, what is forming my spirituality? Now don't hear what I'm not saying. We need screens to work. I get that, totally get that. We have to use screens. But I'm talking about all the spare time we have and what we do with that. So what he's saying to us, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends because I'm making known to you. How does it become known to you? By its attachments. It's not just head knowledge. Let me talk about attachments a second. I'm gonna segue out of here. This is neural, neural theology. Let me just read you five statements to you. Here's one. The human brain is built, listen to this, built, maintained, and transformed by what it is attached to. So five hours a day, I'm attached to my phone, which is being manipulated by Yahoo, and Google, and Microsoft, and Facebook, and everybody else. I told you all this, you all know this. And so somebody from outside with algorithms and rots is forming how I think about life. Neural theology. The human brain is built, maintained, and transformed by whatever it is attached to. And Jesus said, remain in me, and I remain in you. How about the second one? This is the second one. Human attachment is the one force or process that determines our identity before we think consciously. And the human brain develops or changes character through attachment bonds. So think about this, let me just give you an example. We use, our staff uses the example of soul ties. So any person with whom I have a sexual relationship anywhere in my past, I have a soul tie. I have an attachment with. I have an attachment 
too. Think about that. Think about all the attachments we have to our devices, to our sex partners, to just whatever. All those attachments affect how our brains develop. Here's the third. If we want to bear more fruit, we have to remind ourselves, listen to this next sentence, the human brain functions around attachments, not will. We have a limited amount of willpower. And I can decide I'm going to be loving today for a little while. Because I only have a limit, we all have a limited amount of willpower. But if we are attaching to Jesus, and he's attaching to us, and he wants to be attached, his life is being lived through us. Here's the fourth one. I read that ready. Number five. We do not become spiritually or materially, emotionally mature by willpower. That's the hardest thing to get over. We think we can will ourselves to become more like Jesus. We can't. No, am, I speak, am, I, am I speaking the truth? Can you will yourself to become more like Jesus? No. But if you are attached, if you, so I'll, I'll go back to marriage examples. So I'm married to Lane for 40 some years, 40 years. How, how much has Lane's thinking, feeling, observations affected how I think and feel? Because I'm attached to Lane Lundy. Her thinking, feeling, living has affected me. If my screens are where I get my primary attachments, how do I live a healthy, loving, free, blessing, great life? Have I beat that dead horse dead enough? All right, so I'm going to change what I did from the first service. Instead of reading Luke 15, I'm going to tell the story. Um, Jimmy, I have the, just the picture, please. So this is, I'm, I'm sorry, this is an old picture, but it, it just is such a beautiful, beautiful description. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to just take a minute. Would you look at the picture? Would you just look at the picture one minute, and then I want you to talk to someone around you. What do you see in this picture? Because I'm going to use this picture to tell the story and move us to attachments, okay? So on your marks, get set, go. One minute. What do you see in the picture? Hey, can you see the four people in there? There are four people. Let, let, me, let me, real quick, real fast. Here's the story, Luke 15, 11 to 32. A father had two sons. The youngest son said to his dad, basically die now, give me one third of the inheritance, I'm gonna go. He went off and he spent it in all kinds of crazy ways. Ended up with a bunch of pigs, had no money, had no food, had nothing, came home. Older brother hears about it and he's mad. So what you have here now is the reunion of the father and the younger son who's made poor choices and the older brother standing over the top. So let me just take you through this picture for a few minutes. I'm gonna go for attachment. I'm talking about, so the question last week, what is spiritually forming you? This week, whoever, whatever we are attached to is what's forming us. So let's just look at the picture. I'm gonna just play with you a little bit. So, 
I'm just going to babble, and then I'll bring it together. So look at his shoes. And look at the, the kneeling man's shoes, and look at the kneeling man's clothes. So in that day, that's his underwear. He's, he's in his underwear, kneeling before his dad. He has one shoe partially together, and the other shoe is gone. He has no hair and no beard. That's a sign of someone in deep, deep distress, because no Jewish man would not have a beard or long hair. And he's resting in his father. Look at his father's hands. The hand on the right is a man's hand. The hand on the left is a woman's hand. Why? Look at the cloak. Do you notice how the cloak is covering this son? Look at the dad. Look at his eyes. Look for the light. What do you see in the light in the picture? Now there's a gap, and there's someone who is dressed exactly the same way on the right as the father. So what does the red cloak and the red cloak reveal? Wealth, affluence. The man on the right has a, has a turban, he has a staff, he has shoes. Look at his eyes and look at his mouth as he looks at his dad and his brother. Why is the gap? Why is there a big gap between them? Okay, now let me just stop. So when you think about God, do you think about that picture of that man? See, look at the light is focused on the father and the son. Look at the light. Look at the light and the father. Look at the light and the brother on the right. The brother on the right has all the privileges of the father. But look at his response to his father and his brother. Let's talk about the two boys. The story is quite dramatic, if you if really understand it. In the story, the father, run, the father runs and sees his son and runs to him. Why? Kenneth Bailey, in all his research, says he runs to him because if he did not get him first, the village would kill him. There is no, there is no record in ancient traditions going up to the 1960s of anybody who dishonors the father in that way who is not killed. They are killed for dishonoring their dad in the Bedouin tribes. How about the brother on the right? What would the village do to a brother who would not come and join his dad's party? They would kill him too. Now, what's the posture of the dad in the story? He is absolutely humiliating himself. He put, no Jewish uh, Bedouin man would pull up his clothes, his robe, and run. So his he's un, legs are uncovered. He runs to get, why is he running to get his son? Because if he doesn't get his son first, the village is going to kill him. So how much love does this father have for both sons? The son on the right has all the privileges, the wealth, the position. The younger son, hey, welcome back. And they're both, they both dishonor their dad. Which son do you relate to? How do you think the father feels about both those boys? Do you think he loves them differently? I think he is madly in love with both of his sons. I see Steph here. Steph wrote a prayer used in our 21 Days of Prayer Tuesday. Let me just read this prayer for a second to get a sense of this picture. Listen to this prayer. This is from Steph. Father, we thank you that no matter which brother we may resonate with today, your kind and gracious welcome is extended to both. When we are weary, burnt out, and even offended by your grace, we ask for a softening of our hearts, a breaking of the yoke of religion, 
that you renew our joy of our salvation. Thank you for your unconditional love. Let me stop the prayer now. This brother, it's interesting, it's really interesting. So he'd be angry and judgmental, but, but I want you to think what's behind this, underneath this. What's underneath it is actually virtue. He wants to do what's right. He wants to live honorably, but he has missed the attachment of his father's heart. So he's become judgmental and crabby, and he is angry that his father has welcomed his brother back. Let me just stop for a second. If you sin notoriously, do you feel as though your father in heaven would welcome you back? I'm not, I'm not talking here. I'm not doing Jesus stuff here. Yes, I believe in Jesus. No, I'm talking here. You rob a bank. You have an affair. You have a divorce. You, you abuse a child. You, whatever. Do you actually believe you have a father in heaven who says to you, I am crazy about you? Do you remember what I said two years ago in a series? This is the sentence I started with. What we think about God is the single most important thing about us. The son on the left, in complete brokenness, is now being enveloped by his father's love. He thinks his dad will accept him back. And the brother on the right, all his good stuff has become this religious stuff, and now he's just judgmental and condemning. Well, let me go on to the prayer that Steph wrote. Next paragraph. Um, For those who are bound by religion or feel they've strayed too far to come home, we pray an encounter with your kindness and grace that would set them free and welcome them back into relationship with you. Now we push. If your relationship with God is just head knowledge, you will not pray that prayer. But if you are attached to Jesus, it's a whole different deal. So my question for two weeks now has been, who or what is the primary, primary source of our spiritual formation? I can see myself in both brothers. But let me mess with you just a little bit now. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Who has that? The Father. Listen, we're supposed to be the same kind of people. When we are attached to Jesus, that's who we become. And so this father who has been dishonored by both of his sons loves them both, welcomes them both, blesses them both. In a few minutes, if you choose, you're going to come here. And the elder is going to give you a piece of bread and say something like, the body of Christ for you. That's how much you are loved. Not that, don't, get, get it from here to here. It's crazy. 
And that's the thing we're trying to push in this Fruit of the Spirit series. It's not just knowing the right stuff about God, it's being in a deeply embedded love relationship with God. So the primary thing, if I could, if I could blow up all of our thinking right now, I would blow up our preconceived ideas of who God is. Starting with me. When I have been horrifically in my sin, when I have done things that I'm so, if you ever knew about it, I'd be so embarrassed. Do I actually believe I'm accepted like that? And when I'm crabby, um, crabby and condemning and judgmental about the people on the other political side or that, whatever it is, do I believe the Lord would still say to me who is so judgmental, so condemning, so crabby, so, <clears throat> he still loves me too? The answer is yes, but you have to be attached. And so in the coming weeks, what we want to talk about is how do we become attached? Well, I got a whole bunch of emails last week. 50-year-old woman, and I his permission. She said, here's why I get stuck. Wanting to deepen my relationship with God is different than knowing how to do it. She said, I'm very insecure about how to really connect with God. I spend so much of my life seeking the magic bullets to help me attach. I don't know how to attach. So let me read what a man who wrote a book called The Prodigal Son, Henri Nouwen writes. He said, for most of my life, I struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. He said, I've tried to follow the guidelines. I pray, I work hard, I read scriptures. I try not to sin. I failed many times, but I'm trying to do what's right. And then he says, for me, I'm starting to believe that God loves me. This is what he says. The question is not, how, do, how am I to find God, but how can I let myself be found by him? The question is not, how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God? And the final question is, not how, not how am I to love God, but how can I let myself be loved by God? So we talk a lot around here about the spiritual disciplines and rhythms. The purpose of these things is just to create space for us to be in a love remaining, attaching relationship with Jesus. That's what we're trying to get at. It's not doing stuff, it's not doing the right stuff. It's opening our hearts and our minds to receive the one, you know this, where, where's the Holy Spirit right now? Right inside you if you said yes to Christ. The Spirit can be poured out, absolutely. You have the Spirit of Jesus. So instead of saying, Lord, where are you? Can we talk? And usually, we just have to be quiet. We start with quiet. So I'm in this crazy season, since Kirk has died, I, I, my sleeping pattern's really off, and so I'm, I'm, I get up really, really early. And when I was younger, I always thought I needed to study scripture and memorize scripture and blah, blah, blah. Now that Kirk's died, almost three years, for the first two hours, I sit in darkness and the silence with a prayer candle. And I sit in stillness. And I say, Lord, talk to me. You know how long it takes for me to still myself? But when it gets quiet, I begin to hear. 
we have one who lives in us who wants to be in a love relationship. And we're going through hard times, horrible times. Quick example. Yesterday we did Lena, I did Lena uh, Vandenberg's celebration of family. Express my sympathy to you. Lena's family is just precious. Lena's faith journey is crazy good. 98 years old woman. This woman lost three little sisters in childhood and a little brother. Her husband died 27 years before she did. A daughter died and a a daughter-in-law died. Seven deaths in her life. And their family talked about her faith. So in the midst of sharing, Connie Dunning, who is her pastoring shepherd, shared a bit about Lena's life. Three years ago when she was 95, she used her phone and she recorded Lena playing the piano. And Lena, I get, I get, can I tell my funny story about Lena? Is that okay? Lena, there was no pretense in Lena at all. But a woman who experienced enormous pain and suffering. I don't know what year it was. What year did she get running water? I mean, toilets. What year? 77? 77. A toilet in the house. Not wealthy. Tons of loss. This woman played the piano by ear. Never, never took a lesson. And as she played, I think, Part of her experience with the Lord was playing that piano. And one time she asked me to sit next to her on on a piano bench and she shared some some personal intimate things. And she asked me when she died if I was still alive and told Pastor to use Psalm 90 at her funeral. So we did yesterday. And Psalm 90 is, is, is number your days that you can gain a heart of wisdom. So she loses seven people in her lives. Not a wealthy woman significant hardships that I have permission to tell you about. And yet she had this deep relationship trusting in the Lord. So here's a funny one about Lena. We need to laugh just a little bit. So when she was in the um, Mahaska County, Mahaska something, I can't know, uh, convalescent center, she wanted me to come see her. So I, I went to see her and she wanted me to read scripture to her and she couldn't always hear her very well. And so she couldn't hear her. So I go over, she goes like this. You, you know where I went. I'm in bed with Lena. I'm reading Psalm 23 and the nurse walks in. Now what am I telling you? She had no guile and she had a relationship with Jesus. And a woman who had a hard life was attached. Yesterday we had her funeral and she always ended their gathering of all the family. Can I tell the, the last story too? When the family left, Lena would always ask this question. Shall we pray? Which in Lena E's translated is we're saying the Lord's Prayer together. And we all did. As we left the graveside yesterday, the oldest brother, Ed, just said, shall we pray? the Lord's Prayer. I'm trying to give you a picture of a woman who was attached to Jesus. That's what we're invited into. So on this day, 
we're asked to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So for those who are at home, I want to invite you to, to join us in whatever ways you are able. Start with the, with the bread. The Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. You remember he changed the liturgy. The fourth cup was always about, blessed art thou, king of the university, creator of the vine. He changed it and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. And the cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Anyone and everyone who has a relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior is welcome to join. So please be mindful. The station in front of you, please go to the middle aisles and come on down. Exit back, social distancing. There's also self-serves on the side. Let me offer a prayer. Lord, would you meet your people now with an attaching love. Would every person here, whether we have sinned grievously this week or we have condemned others copiously this week, we pray that we would be welcomed to your love and to your embrace. And out of your attaching love, we pray you'd help us to receive it and to share it. So we ask your blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.